This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. That's right. It's time for With the First Pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode seven. I'm CBS Sports Draft Analyst Ryan Wilson. And in addition to our general manager, Rick Spielman, who has more than 30 years of NFL experience, including a decade as the Vikings GM, I'm joined by CBS Sports Draft Analyst Joel, Ed- uh, Joel Josh Edwards. There he is. Also known as Joel. And Chris Trapasso. Uh, they're responsible for all the draft content you read on CBSSports.com. And as we expand the show in the coming weeks, You'll see a lot more of them, both Josh and Joel. All right, today, before we get going, we're doing something a little different. It's the What's the First Pick Mock Draft Show version 1.0. We'll be doing millions of these things, no doubt, throughout the draft process, so look for those things. Uh, so that's it. We're going to take turns as general manager, make picks, and you can tell us you know, if we made your team better or worse. And you can tell us on YouTube, where you can watch the show every Monday at 2 p.m. live on the Pixix YouTube channel, or you can get the audio version on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and search with the first pick. By the way, if you have a draft question for us or a suggestion for Rick's picks, one of our favorite segments, drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and let us know, and we'll answer them on an upcoming mailback episode. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at NFL Draft CBS, where you can follow us for updates and show clips. All right, let's get going. We've got Joel, Josh, Chris, <laughs> Rick, and me. And Rick, because you're the only one here with any actual GM experience, you're on the clock. And before we get going through this thing, let me say quickly, uh, this draft order will be set between 1 and, and 18, and then 19 to 31-ish could change based on the playoffs because obviously the playoffs are still ongoing, and there is no 32, 32nd pick because the um, the old Dolphins there got trouble. So, uh, Rick, with the first pick, you are taking, uh, as the Bears, by the way, and there are no trades in this thing, because you would definitely trade that, I would imagine. Who you take? Well, I guess that was the first rule of this first mock is that there's no trades, right? We're just going straight through down like there's no trades, which is actually unrealistic. But we'll go through with the unrealistic <laughs> mock draft here Any- in early January. <laughs> so before we get the rest of the answers. But, um, yeah, so if Chicago, which we're for the all intensive purposes doing this mock with no trades um, – you know, I had a choice between Will Anderson, the uh, linebacker pass rusher from Alabama, and Jalen Carter, the three technique from Georgia. And I went with Carter. And the reason I went with Carter, they need players all over the place. So, but they need definitely on the defensive side of the ball. And to me, when you look at the depth of this draft, I think there are some very good pass rushers. And I think we're going to see some good pass rushers down at the senior bowl. Uh, that may not be here in the first round, but there's a lot of depth. So in the hardest position to fill and find has been that dominant, as you want to call it, under tackle or three technique. So uh, with the first pick, uh, no pun intended on our podcast here, uh, I ended <laughs> up uh, going with Jalen Carter, uh, the defensive tackle from Georgia. Right, and Debo notes we will have uh, trades in Mock Draft 2.0, the live show. So look Ooh. for that, uh, so we can let Rick flex his muscles. Uh, let me ask you, Rick, and, and we'll we'll get out of here, or we'll move on to to the next pick. But let me ask you this: um, in terms of layups, quote unquote, uh, and by that I mean like Chase Young, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, Aiden Hutchinson. Where does Jalen Carter fit? Is he that sort of player, or do you do you have some concerns, and you might be leaning towards Will Anderson? Okay, I would say this, that 
Jalen Carter could be as good as he wants to be and the most dominant defensive player in this draft class. Some of the questions are going to come up. Does he play hard every snap? And some of that you see on tape. I'm sure that'll be addressed through the interview process as everybody goes through this to, to get those answers. But when he's on and he's playing, there's no one that can block him at the collegiate level, and he's going to be tough to handle. And you're going to – he's a type of player – that I believe that teams will have to game plan around so he doesn't wreck games at this level as long as he plays at a, I would say, a 100% maximum effort when he's in there. And sometimes on the tape, you didn't see that all the time, but when he goes, uh, he's, to me, the best defensive player in this draft. Traps, let me ask you and Josh quickly, and then we'll we'll get this thing rolling here. Are you Have you guys typically, because you do a mock draft every week, typically been leaning on Jalen, Will Anderson, or have you been working up the old trade machine to get a quarterback up there? Traps so up there. I just I just did my first trade because, like you said, I've done so many mock drafts where, like Rick was saying, that I, I, I wanted to see something a little more realistic where the Bears locked into that first pick. So I, I did do a trade in my most recent mock draft. I, I've kind of bounced back and forth because I think Jalen Carter and Will Anderson are both legitimate blue-chip prospects at very important positions. And like Rick said, positions of need for the bears after they traded Robert Quinn. Um, and they just don't have a lot of depth on the interior. So I, I don't know if I've leaned more Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. It, it's really been about 50, 50 because I think they're that good and they have the upside to be all pros in the NFL. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I've kind of taken a similar approach because we do have three months left before this draft. So I'm kind of doing a little bit of everything, you know, mix it up one week to the next Um, The one scenario that I kind of like the most is the idea of trading back a little bit, uh, not too far to where you can still get one of those top defensive players. And obviously that's going to depend on the trade offers that are available to Chicago at number one overall. But I think that's an ideal situation because I do have some concerns once you get past the top five, six players in this draft class um, as to whether or not it's worth moving back that far to miss on one of these caliber defensive players. Yeah, and Rick sort of touched on it. The, the edge rush class is deeper than the, the interior defensive line class, and that's also a concern if you are high on Jalen Carter over Will Anderson. Uh, pick number two, I'm on the clock. Uh, I took Bryce Young, and that's been sort of a recurring thing for me. I know, I think, Josh, uh, is, is he your QB1? Yeah, he's my QB1, and I understand the concerns about his size. I mean, it's, it, it's unprecedented to have a quarterback of that size, that stature in the NFL but the game is a little bit different. I mean, you can have a point guard at the quarterback position distributing the football, uh, really utilizing the targets that you're able to build on that side of the ball. So I have less of a problem with his size today than maybe a decade ago. Um, but I understand that it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be one size fits all where he's going to be a fit for every team. Some may prefer CJ Stroud. Some may prefer Will Levis. I totally understand it, but Bryce Young with what he brings to the table as far as the intangibles, his impromptu playmaking ability, the leadership, all of that stuff, he's my top quarterback prospect. Sounds like you've been listening to Rick on that one there. So, all right, pick number three. uh, Traps, you're on the clock. The Cardinals. You taking a quarterback? What would you think about that? uh, I think (laughs) if the situation with Kyler Murray was not kind of restrictive from a – a financial standpoint because they're probably going to be rebuilding with a new head coach, maybe DeAndre Hopkins being traded. Um, I would think about it, but because Kyler Murray is is kind of locked in, I'm going with Will Anderson, the edge rusher from Alabama. Uh, with J.J. Watt retiring, uh, it's a clear-cut need. And, and even though they picked Cam Thomas last season and Maje Sanders at kind of that outside linebacker or rush linebacker position that have some flexibility on the inside as well, they still need – a premier pass rusher in this defense. They've needed it for a while. They got, you know, good production from JJ Watt late in his career, but Will Anderson has looked like a future top five pick really since he stepped foot at Alabama. He can beat blockers in a variety of ways, bull rush, outside speed rush, um, inside move. He, he is really a high upside player who also has a high floor. All right, Josh, you're on the clock. You are the Indianapolis Colts. I want you to tell us who you pick. And then, Rick, I want you to to grade that pick in terms of how you feel about this player. This feels very dangerous, uh, but I have the Indianapolis Colts taking Will Levis, the quarterback from mm-hmm. Kentucky, with the fourth overall selection. And I'll preface it by saying this. <laughs> He's not um, a nervous. 
He lost. Go ahead, get that preference in. We always need a preference. (laughs) He lost three starting offensive linemen from last year's class, changed offense coordinators, lost the second round wide receiver pick. He was, I mean, he was incredibly battered throughout the season. I don't think the public is aware of just how injured he was over the course of the year. Uh, They turned him into a strictly pocket passing quarterback. And I think this is a guy that's, you know, really thrives off initiating contact, taking that first hit. I think he builds on that. Uh, once he gets that first hit under his belt. But um, throughout the course of the season, look, I understand he did not have the season that we had, ex- had expected of him. Um, and it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all, like I said, for Bryce Young either. But uh, this is a guy that has great size. He's got elite arm strength. He's got good mobility. Um, I think if he's put into the proper situation, say Indianapolis, for example, uh, where he's got an improved offensive line, Bernard Ryman, the left tackle, was showing a lot of improvements. Over the course of the year, you've got Braden Smith, you've got Quentin Nelson. I mean, you've got pieces, Ryan Kelly. Um, so if you put him behind a quality offensive line, you make the right coaching hires. I'm just saying, I mean, this could be, let's go, let's go trade for like, DeAndre Hopkins. You because, sound like you're, uh, Josh, you sound like you're defending yourself and, you're, and your life is. Yeah, alive. I didn't even say anything yet except you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it, Rick, was, what do you got? it was preemptive the way that it was it was uh, given to me, so I, I had to defend myself a little bit. No, I, I mean I'm not going to argue now. It's too early in the process, but the, <laughs> we got time. Everybody's right right now. Uh, we'll see. But you do like Lovis, though, right, Rick? Yeah, I do. I yeah. do think he has a lot of maybe the most talented arm. Uh, I don't agree with. Uh, a strength of him taking hits because you can see what happens. I mean, you see Josh Allen and that was some of the comparisons and, you know, Josh Allen got banged up a little bit. These guys that are running quarterbacks, you've seen Justin Fields that lost a lot of time this year because he gets banged up. So I don't know if that's a positive, his athletic skills, um, you know, reminded me that just watching the game last night, Another big quarterback, Daniel Jones, um, who people don't give enough credit for how he moves. I think Will Levis has that type of movement and maybe is a little mm-hmm. underrated on his movement skills and his arm strength. And I understand there wasn't as much talent around him this year, but some of the decisions that he makes on the field, even last year when I thought I was you know, maybe going to be QB1 watching 2021 tape and then seeing some of the decision-making that he made this year uh, still puts that into question. And I'm sure that'll be drilled down into these interviews when these uh, teams get in front of him and why he made this throw or that throw. But he has all the natural ability uh, to be a, a, a very good starting quarterback in this league. But I don't, I may have leaned and uh, I don't mean to be a, Mr. Prickles here in this mock draft. <laughs> the, way, the way CJ Stroud played that last game uh, and the way he showed that he can use his legs, which was the biggest question, and we'll get to him in a minute. I may have leaned towards CJ in this one. Mm. Yeah, no, that's fair. And uh, again, we'll have millions of mock drafts to, to rectify uh, any concerns that we have as we come to a consensus. Rick, you're on the clock at, with the Seahawks at five. And my only preemptive question is, why did you choose this player as opposed to another player who's going to go right after him? So you you were mad that I took Tyree Wilson because you're going to get ready to take Miles Murphy next? No, I'm happy with the way it unfolded, but I'm wondering why you took Tyree over Miles Murphy. For I just season. think he has he's bigger. He has so much more upside. I think uh, when we get down there at the Senior Bowl and he goes down there, and I think he's going to really show up. Uh, he is a, a unique athlete for how high, how tall he is, and his bend and pass rush and his ability to burst to the quarterback is pretty unique. And I just think this kid just has a higher ceiling right now than Miles Murphy, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's going to end up being the best pass rusher uh, out of this draft before it's all said and done. Okay, that, that's the answer I was looking for. So uh, with the Seahawks, Rick picks. Oh, thank you for approving. We can go on to your pick now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rick, you made the first of two selections for the Seahawks, thanks to uh, the Broncos, of course. So uh, you hit a home run with the, with the guy's name, at least, Wilson. I mean, you can't go wrong there. Number six, I'm on the <laughs> clock with the Lions. I'm taking Miles Murphy, who we talked about, and we'll talk more about him later so we can get this thing going, not to get stuck too much here uh, on guys who, who don't play the most important position, of course, quarterback, which brings us to pick number seven. Derek Carr, who knows where he'll be playing next year. He won't be in L, uh, Las Vegas by, by all accounts. Traps, you were on the clock. Uh, Bryce Young and Will Levis are gone. What are you doing? 
So I had to take advantage of Josh's huge homerism of being a Kentucky guy and loving Will Levis. I saw CJ Stroud there. Like you mentioned, uh, Derek Carr is not going to be with the Raiders. So I'm picking CJ Stroud. Uh, This was kind of a home run pick for me. I think like Rick said, the end of the season for CJ Stroud didn't play that well, really at all against Michigan, but really rebounded against the, you know, eventual uh, national title. Uh, winning team in Georgia with th- th- that certainly did not have as many uh, future NFL players as it did last year, but still had Jalen Carter and company um, good pieces in the secondary. I think uh, the improvisation isn't really there with CJ Stroud, but the pocket passing, the decision-making accuracy to all levels um, could really be accentuated with Josh McDaniels with the Raiders. So uh, Josh, I'll ask you, why did you choose Will Levis over C.J. Stroud? Are there any major concerns? And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see C.J. made his announcement, which I don't think was a surprise. There were some rumblings that he might come back, which would seem far-fetched, but you know he's going pro. So what made you choose Will Levis over C.J., and what are your concerns, if any, with C.J.? Well, I think the issue with C.J. is kind of it's a one-game sample size as to the improv skills that he showed in the playoffs there. Um you know, he's shown everything else on tape. There's a lot to like about the guy. I, I'm not trying to set this up as I love Will Levis a lot more than I love CJ Stroud. I like both of them. Um, but when I look at what Indianapolis has done at the quarterback position uh, under Chris Ballard, you've got Phillip Rivers, you've got Matt Ryan, you've got Carson Wentz. Who fits more of that mold than Will Levis? I mean, it's he's going to blow teams away at the interviews. I mean, he's an incredibly intelligent kid. Uh, did a internship on Wall Those guys weren't so. very good. So if you're comparing Will Levis to him, I'm sorry. He got choked up on that one. This, this is this is earlier in their career, though, Rick. That's 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 the difference here. But Josh, do no, not, I, do I, not feel... pick, when you're picking these quarterbacks, you're trying to pick a franchise guy that's going to be there for the next 100 years. Welcome to my world, Josh. How's that going for you? <laughs> but with all of that being said, if C.J. Stroud is the pick there, I'm good with it. Uh, I'm just looking at what Indianapolis has done in the past, even though it has not worked out for them um, and the type of quarterback that they may prefer, even though they're going to have a new coaching staff, which may rule all of this out. Uh, but that's why I've got three, three months to change my mind. So that's, that's what no, right. right. no, this is etched in. I mean, this is in stone. <laughs> So no one can change your picks. No after going back. Picks. You say that, but somebody is going to take notes of all of this and bring it back in three months. So yeah, his name is Debo. Uh, all right, pick eight, uh, Josh. You took Peter Skaronsky. Uh, I, I, I let you talk about CJ, so we could, could move on from Skaronsky. I like him a lot, but uh, we got time constraints here. So that brings us to pick nine. And Rick and I have talked about Anthony Richardson before, and he had me under the impression that he wasn't that high on him. And yet here we are, Rick, pick number nine. The Panthers need a quarterback. If they take Anthony Richardson here, what's let me ask you this: What's the plan for twenty twenty three for Anthony Richardson in Carolina? Well, I, I mean, they have to go get a franchise quarterback, and they have to go young. Um, they can't keep going through the Darnolds, the Mayfields, the Philip Rivers, the and the other uh, older vets, the Will Levises, uh, the guys that you were comparing <laughs> them to. So, <laughs> I, I think it, if everything else checks out through this pre-draft process, his study habits, his ability to want to be an NFL quarterback and what it takes to be an NFL quarterback. There's no question about the arm talent. There's no question about the athletic skill set. If you're honest with yourself, take uh, and I understand the inconsistencies and some of the wild throws and then some of the, what, what did I just see? And why would he just do that type (laughs) throws as well? But if you can get the answers to that, he has potentially the most <clears throat> upside out of any of these quarterbacks that are in the draft. And if you want to, you know, I think he's a better. And, and the last time I think I read, or I may be wrong, is that they took a quarterback in the first round was Cam Newton when he came out. And I think this guy is just as good of athlete as Cam, but I think he's a more natural thrower than Cam Newton was coming out. So that's kind of why I went with this pick. And the owner is not going to come out of this draft without a quarterback. That's yeah, and it feels like he's tired of going to the free agent well, perhaps much like Jim Irsay maybe as well. So that's Anthony Richardson to Carolina at number nine. So that's four quarterbacks in the top ten, which is crazy. Pick ten, I have Debo's Eagles taking Paris Johnson. Um, you know, Lane Johnson struggled with injuries. He may play five more years. He may play two more years. Either way, you have Paris Johnson, who can also play inside if you need him in the short term. Traps you on the clock with the Titans at 11. 
Uh, I need so Rick and I, Rick likes Trent Simpson better than I do. I need you to explain to me why you're taking Trent Simpson this high. Well, when we were doing this mock in our Slack room, we said, I think what Josh mentioned, like at pick seven, it's kind of like the talent falls off, but the Falcons need everything. Or, or I think you said that, Ryan. I felt the same way at pick 11, that there wasn't like a prospect who was really standing out to me as like, oh, he's definitely the best player on the board, but the Titans like need everything. They could go wide receiver again, but are they going to do that after picking Traylon Burks kind of in an offense that's decently conservative? Um, they could certainly you know, round two, round three, go into that. Well, I just think the linebacker position for them is pretty barren that they lost Jane Smith last year, who was so good in coverage. And with Trenton Simpson, I think he just kind of fits the profile of a top half of the first round type linebacker that he's long. He's played outside linebacker, rushing the passer. He's good in coverage. He's got the range. I think he's going to test well at the combine. So he just feels like adding another high caliber talent to this defense that, without Harold Landry this season was really just Jeffrey Simmons and not much else. No, I get it. All right. Pick 12. Um, Josh, you're the Texans. They took Bryce young uh, in the first round with a good GM. That was me. You're the other GM at 12. Why are you taking Brian Brzee over say an offensive lineman or there is yet to be a wide receiver off the board? Well, you can't be that good of a GM if they let me make the second pick. So, um, you know, Brzee, the first pick wasn't that good either. So let's not get ourselves. It's all relative. So the quickest path to the quarterback is over the center position. And like Rick alluded to, it's difficult to find quality interior defensive linemen. Um, I have issues with Brzee. You know, we talked about this ad nauseum off stream. Um, you know, you'd like to see a little bit more urgency up the middle, but um, this is a guy that was the number one recruit coming out of high school. He's got a lot of natural ability, um, and you're just taking a chance on a on a quality interior defensive lineman uh, that's going to be able to impact your pass rush moving forward. So, um, can I just ask, who in the hell is uh, Bryce Young going to throw to? Um, he's going <laughs> to. The receiver uh, class isn't great though at the top. Yeah. No, that's yeah. A, Nico Collins. Well, that's about it. I've typically had the Texans at 12 taking targeting offensive linemen or core or, or, or wide receivers at that point, assuming that Bryce Young goes number two, but um, you know, Josh got a little crazy here. He, um, in, in case you're wondering, Rick, I called him to my office and I have since fired him, but that's a conversation <laughs> for another time as my co-GM. I don't know. If hey, I, have I know power. I'm going to be able to find a wide receiver on day two. Okay. I'm not concerned about it. Okay. All right. Hey. So Rick, perhaps you're, ha you're happy that the Texans took Brian Brzee there because you're on the clock. Uh, at number 13 there, they didn't take an offensive tackle. Um, are you, I'll ask you this and you can tell you, you Broderick Jones is the offensive tackle out of Georgia. I know you, you like him a lot athletically, but you're, you, you wouldn't put him out there right away, but are, are you moving on from your quarterback? Are you trying to trade him? What's the situation there with, with your former number two overall pick and Zach Wilson, as you beef up the offensive? Uh, they're, they're definitely going to go out and get a uh, veteran quarterback to come in, um, you know, just because of the struggles they've had at that position. And, Mike White is definitely, in my opinion, not the answer. Uh, <laughs> Zach Wilson still, you know, you always try to hold judgment till year three after year three on these guys because, you know, I don't want to say they were as bad, but the Tua and the Hurst of the world, they really hit their stride. That's when Josh Allen hit his stride in year three. So these guys, hopefully, they sound like they still have a lot of confidence in them, but then when you read the ownership come out and say, well, do whatever it takes to go get the best quarterback we can get, then, okay, is that the Derek Cards of the world that they're going to go after or Garoppolo or whoever, the, whoever that person is? So, But they do need help up front. Um, you know, Beckton, I think he's played what I have, only played 15, 15 games since he's been drafted uh, back in 2020. Uh, he's been always overweight. Supposedly, he's lost a lot of weight. He's going into his, what you want to call him, his contract year. Uh, but how can you rely on him uh, because he's been hurt so much, and especially at his size and the knee issues that he has? So this kid, I think, has a lot of upside. He has to get a little stronger. But his feet, his movement skills, uh, it's everything that you're looking for in a left tackle. He may not be instant day one starter, but I think this guy has a tremendous upside that will eventually evolve into a, a pretty good player. Right. And he hasn't played a ton of football. So Broderick Jones made it official. He he has to clear for the draft and uh, let's take a quick break and, and I'll come back and make pick 14 and tell you someone else who officially declared for the draft right after that. 
baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. It was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. All right, pick 14, the Patriots. And I thought it was odd they released a statement saying that they were looking for an offense coordinator. I don't think that's great if you're Matt Patricia, but I don't think it's necessarily a, a, a huge uh, surprise to anyone. So, Traps, let me get your reaction to this. I haven't taken Quentin Johnston because they had a ton of needs. They have offensive line needs, they have play calling needs. But I think uh, among those needs was getting my guy McCor- McCorkle Jones uh, an option. So I have Quentin Johnston there. How do you feel about that? I think it, it it would make sense in that I think learning from Devontae Parker, a you know, similar X receiver on the outside who wins in those rebounding situations down the field, even though he's not crazy fast, would make a lot of sense from him. And just being around Buffalo, seeing the Bills play the Patriots twice, uh, the defense was certainly there for this Patriots team. And I don't really think we saw Jones take the step forward that a lot of uh, people were expecting in year two. And to me, a lot of contributing factor to that was just the off or the wide receiver uh, group was not that dynamic. Um, whether it was Nelson Aguilar being inconsistent, Kendrick Bourne, you know, being good at times, but, but not great. I don't know if Bill Belichick would make this pick. He seems to have a bad track record with first round wide receivers, but certainly from a, you know, what this team needs perspective, Quinton Johnston being the first receiver off the board, vertical threat for this offense makes sense. He had to take it because I took his left tackle the previous pick before. That's why mm. I took the damn Good left call. tackle. So. I called you and you didn't answer the phone, which is very telling, Rick. I'm trying to make a move up. Uh, pick 15, traps with the Packers. I stole their wide receiver in Quentin Johnson. They chose not to go with Jordan Addison. They took Brian Branch, and, and I'm playing the role for you because I, I want to get, Rick, I want to get your thoughts on, on Brian Branch because you were around him a lot at Alabama, and, and I think you like him. Would you take him this high? That's a little rich for me. Um, you know, um, but I may have leaned a little bit more, uh, towards another position, um, that I won't reveal because I don't want you to know who my next pick's going to be coming up, but, (laughs) uh, he's a good football player. They played him in that star position, which is kind of like a Nick position. I think his best position is going to be free safety. Um, he has range. He'll come up and hit. He's an effective blitzer. Uh, when they do send him to affect the quarterback. Biggest negative I had on him was maybe the uh, making plays on balls in the air. He didn't have a lot, but, you know, I give him credit, just like all those Alabama kids that uh, opted in to play in that Sugar Bowl when they didn't have to. Uh, So kudos to those guys that do play and don't opt out of bowl games, which we'll get into later. (laughs) But... uh, (laughs) He 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 has all the ability to to be a, a a very good free safety in this league. Yeah, I like him. He's one of my favorite players, and I think it probably says a lot, Rick, based on your experience, that when Nick Saban trusts you to be out there 65, 70 snaps a game, you're doing something right. Especially at that position, that is a hard position to play in that defense, and he excelled at that position. Yeah, I, I actually like this pick. Uh, I I don't mind him going this high. I, I may have. Just for you know, fun taking a wide receiver because the Packers refuse to do that. At 16, Josh, you're back on the clock. You're the commanders. They've said, or at least our buddy Jonathan Jones has reported that Sam Howell's their guy going forward. That's going to be interesting to see unfold. You haven't taken Joy Porter Jr. Uh, explain why Joy Porter Jr. over Keely Ringo. Well, to, to, to take it a step farther, now that I've kind of gone through the cornerbacks a little bit more, I probably would have taken Cam Smith here because he's a little mm-hmm. bit more of a zone cornerback. Uh, to put out there in Washington, he's, I mean, he's made a fantastic jump, but to defend my pick, Joey Porter has a lot of length. Um, they desperately need help at the cornerback position. That defense has looked a little bit better this year than they did a year ago, but not quite as good as they were two years ago. So to add more talent on that back end, I think you're just kind of fortifying 
what has become a strength for them until you do get that quarterback into place. I like it. Yeah, and I think um, Rick and I have talked about some previous podcasts where Keely Ringo felt like he looks the part but hadn't quite lived up to the expectations. And I, you know, I know Rick likes Joey Porter Jr. I like him as well. But, Rick, it means, and you're, you're the Steelers GM Omar Khan now uh, with pick 17, that they can't have the, re, the, the reunion of, of uh, former player and, and their, their offspring or Cam Hayward and his brother or T.J. Watt and his brother. So Joey Porter doesn't get to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, did you give any thought here, and you took Keely Ringo, uh, pulling the old uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and getting Kenny Pickett, his former teammate Jordan Addison? No. No, not this early. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, look, sell Very me straightforward. That horrible theory. I don't know where that came from. I mean, so, they do have some pretty good receivers on that side of the ball. Well, so we'll they do need help on the defensive side. They need help at corner. Right. If, so, yeah. If they didn't take, uh, if the commanders didn't take uh, Joey Porter Jr., I would have took him in a heartbeat. I yeah. really liked him. Uh, I thought he was one of the top corners in this draft. Ringo, uh, why I went with him was Mike Tomlin and the success they had because there was a lot of questions on uh, the uh, not Pickens, Pickett to Pickens. That's what I said for like a last 17 weeks on the uh, air. But they had a lot of, of positive results on a guy that was maybe a little bit of an underachiever, didn't play much because he was the ACL, I believe, or he was hurt. He comes in and just lights it up as a rookie at receiver. Mike Tomlin has a history of guys with this much talent that may, I don't want to call them underachievers, but maybe did not play as well, has a tendency to bring the best out of players. And I think if he got a hold of a, of a Ringo here, mm. uh, that he is going to be a, 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 an excellent corner in that defense, especially if Mike Tomlin gets his hands on him. Yeah, they took Artie Burns in 2016 at cornerback. That didn't work. They wanted William Jackson, who went to pick before to Cincinnati. And I think that the time before that, remember Chad Scott out of Maryland, Rick, back in yeah. the day? That's a lot. Yeah, but he was a he was a kind of corner slash safety. He was big. That's right. So they they haven't had a lot of success. They haven't done it often, but they haven't had a ton of success with taking cornerbacks in the first round. So this would be uh, off script for them. A true but, success story. Yeah, <laughs> make him a player. With that possibility, for sure. So, pick 18, I'm the Lions, and I took Miles Murphy as the Lions GM back at number 6. And number 18, I'm picking Christian Gonzalez. And, Traps, you, you felt like this was about the right spot that Gonzalez should go off the board, the Colorado transfer, who I actually have comped to Kyer Elam. I don't know how Rick feels about that, but in terms no, of – he's a better tackler than Elam when he came out. Yeah, I, I would like him to be more physical. Well, yeah. we'll go back and watch tape. <laughs> I, what do you think, Trap? If this is what we call the disagreement, a group study. We'll have to sit here and do a group study on him to show you that he actually does hit people. <laughs> yeah, I think this is just right, especially because of what's happened in this mock draft at the cornerback spot. To be the third corner off the board at 18 to a team that certainly feels like they want to go out and add some more probably young talent at the cornerback position He's over six foot. He's around 200 pounds. I think he's good in man and zone. Like Rick said, pretty sure tackler on the outside for, I mean, a defense in Detroit that is ascending, but still needs a lot of infusion of talent. Um, given how the cornerback board fell, I think this is just right in terms of where he should go in the first round pick wise and to the team that he should land with. And the one realistic thing about this mock is the run. So as you've seen, once Joey Porter went, then all of a sudden there's usually a run on a position. And we didn't collaborate on this, really, but we just fell off each other's picks. But now you see that run on corners, which I think will be around this time in the, when the real draft comes around. Well, now that you said that, Rick, let me ask a follow-up. Is there not a, a chance, has there been a history, have you seen it happen where teams start overdrafting players because they're concerned? Now, if teams that stay disciplined to their board, still going to follow their board and how they have these players developed on their board, um, you know, but it's like when you develop your board and you have two needs and you see that, okay, maybe the corners aren't going to be there. and Maybe there's some more linebackers are going to be there if you need a linebacker. Well, you better take the corner here, but you don't want to reach, especially if you have another position higher. Um, you want to always take the best football player. But in this situation here, uh, I think we all felt that these teams needed corners, and that's usually where a run starts. And all of the corners we've talked about so far, I believe, except the one which I 
was very pleased, fell to me in a couple of picks from now, uh, are all worthy of where they're getting taken right at this point. Yeah, and they're all similar-sized guys as well, which is um, seems to be an ebb and flow sometimes. Sometimes the guys are a little smaller, sometimes they're bigger. These guys are certainly bigger. Uh, 19, the Buccaneers. Mr. Trapasso, you are taking Michael Mayer, tight end at a Notre Dame. Yeah, I'll start with this. I don't know what the Buccaneers are going to do with the quarterback spot. I mean, are, are they really that trustworthy if they if Tom Brady's not in the picture next season in Kyle Trask? I mean, I, I don't know what else they would do. Maybe, you know, go back on the veteran market at the quarterback spot. But either way, it feels like Michael Mayer, to me, feels in a similar range and a similar, not style player, but in terms of his safeness to Kyle Eifert or to Tyler Eifert when he went and around this range to the Cincinnati Bengals, um, that he's just a, a high floor player, great receiver, can get open, uh, very explosive in his routes, doesn't drop a lot of footballs, decent three down player. And the Buccaneers, I think if they don't have Tom Brady, they just need to keep adding talent to the offensive skill positions. And Michael Mayer to me is the best tight end in the draft. Uh, Rick, I'm, I'm looking, just trying to look this up quickly. Obviously Kyle Rudolph, um, you've taken tight ends in the first round. Would you feel comfortable taking Mayer this high? Oh boy. I think there's some very good tight ends in this draft. I think he's a very good football player. I don't know how high his ceiling is. I may have a little disagreement on that. Um, he's not a crazy athlete. That's true. So that's where I have a limit on his ceiling. Um, I think he's going to be a solid starter. I don't think he's got pro bowl caliber. And maybe I'm a little biased because he was eating a hot dog on a sideline during a bowl game. As he <laughs> that you up. Out. All that his brothers you were up. out there fighting to win that game, that bowl game. But that's beside the point. I won't let my prejudices get in the way of <laughs> player. Kyle Rudolph win the second round. Sorry, he was 43rd overall pick. And then yeah. Irv Smith Jr., of course, you took in the second round, 50th overall pick. Okay, yeah, I think Michael Mayer is going to be – I think he has a, a, a real opportunity going round one. But I, he's not as athletic, I don't think, as – as some of the titans we've seen in recent years, but he does a lot of things um, really well. And um, it is hard to get a feel for what the Buccaneers want to do. At pick 20, so this is interesting, Josh. You're making the second pick of the Seahawks in round one. You made the second picks of the, of the Texans in round one. I almost felt like if you'd swapped these picks, I'd have been much more happy with you and I wouldn't have fired you. But it would pick 20, the Seahawks, after they've already taken Tyree Wilson, to pick five, you have them taking Jordan Addison. So why are you taking a, a wide receiver who I like a lot over more defensive help for a team that struggled defensively? Yeah, so another sign that this is not a realistic scenario is the fact that the Seahawks are picking here because traditionally they would they would trade out of this pick, which as the board fell, I would like to do that in all honesty. I don't think it fell in their favor. So um, I stuck and I picked because that's what the scenario called for. But uh, Jordan Addison's a fantastic player. He's going to be a third wide receiver for this team until Tyler Lockett moves on. Uh, and when he does, he'll be a fantastic compliment to DK Metcalf. But uh, in this current scenario, I think that uh, Seattle would probably like to trade down. Rick, let me ask you something. Would, would you pay Geno Smith $35 million a year? Jeez. Are we doing a mock draft? Are we getting into free agency? Is this a free agency mock draft or is this a draft <laughs> mock draft? Well, if you need a quarterback, you got to make some decisions with these draft picks. <laughs> I don't know who's the answer right now since um, uh, I screwed it up by taking Richardson. Uh, if Richardson falls <laughs> down there, I would have maybe considered him. But they don't have a choice right now, uh, you know, unless they draft a, a, a quarterback on Friday. Um, but right now, um, I love Jordan Addison as a football player. I watched him at Pitt, um, a lot of tape on him at Pitt. He reminded me, I said before, of uh, Devontae Smith uh, when he came out. Mm. Skinny, linear guy that has very good speed and has big-time playmaking ability. I think he'll have that. I think it'll help, uh, Gino, uh, because I don't know what other direction uh, that Seattle has right now at the quarterback position. Yeah, so I actually not Gino, then who? I mean, you got to have someone. Right. No, I think that's Is right. Is there someone out there better than Gino? Do you want to go with another vet route? And Pete Carroll, the way he talks about Gino, I thought it was Joe Namath uh, because he loves <laughs> Gino uh, Namath. Gino Smith. So I'm planning on Gino being there and paying him what it is, whatever it is to uh, keep him there. And then yeah, I, I'm okay with adding another offensive weapon around him. Okay. All right. Yep. And I, I think Gino and Daniel Jones are going to have a similar – conversation salary wise and, and both I think should get paid because they they both have certainly had great seasons. All right. I know, but why would you pay Geno Smith more than 
Daniel Jones, wouldn't you give Dan? You, did you watch the game last night? Well, I know it was a Vikings defense, but I won't get into that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, Dino, I'm saying. Dino Smith's 22 years older than, than Daniel Jones. <laughs> no, Daniel that's right. Jones has tremendous upside, and I think Daniel Jones is only going to get better, especially when Dayball uh, did with him this year. I, I'm in 100% agreement with you. I, I think so. I think Daniel Jones, I think, but if they both got 35, you think Daniel Jones is going to get closer to 40? I don't know. I don't yeah. know where they, I, they're probably saying, geez, if I would have known this, I wish I would have signed that fifth year option. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. That, that's the conversation they're having. But I think you're exactly, I think the Brian Dable component can't be overlooked. And it just goes back to the whole conversation. But if you hit on the coach, it can solve with a lot of other problems that maybe you thought were issues that turn out not to be. All right. Speaking of coaches, Doug Peterson. Uh, he's your coach at, at 21 there. You're the Jaguars, Rick. What are you doing to help out Dougie P? Oh, you got to have to go corner there. Cam Smith's too good of a football player to be sitting here this low. And I don't, I, I would bet the only thing I've agreed on this damn mock so far is that Cam <laughs> Smith may go up a little higher, uh, depending on how these corners shake out once we get through uh, combine and the workouts and everything. But this is a very good football player that I can be, uh, to me, a shutdown uh, corner in the league. And uh, he really had a really nice year this year. Uh, it's fun to watch on tape. He's one of those guys that I enjoyed watching and I wanted to watch more just because it was fun to watch the way he played the game. And I think this guy, the value I got at 20 to get this guy, I think is one of the better values out of this mock draft. And I think, um, you know, him, they needed, they do need some help on a defensive side, especially out at corner uh, to go with the Georgia kid. They took in a second round a couple of years ago, um, but this was too good a player to pass up. Yeah, I think we all like um, Cam Smith there, and um, you know, I think we're okay with that pick. Pick twenty-two, the Giants. Hey, thanks, thanks for the approval. You got it. Um, the uh, the T-shirts in the mail. <laughs> uh, pick twenty-two, the Giants. I'm taking Osiris Torrance. We haven't talked a lot about interior offensive linemen in general, but Rick and I have talked about him on the podcast previously. Uh, we both like him a lot. He feels like a solid plug-and-play guy. Transfer who didn't look out of sorts in year one in the SEC and, and helps that offensive line, helps Daniel Jones, helps Saquon Barkley. 23, the Ravens, Trapasso takes, and, and Rick, I'll circle back to you because I, I, I know you like this guy. He's six feet, 180. Any concerns about Dev, uh, Devon Witherspoon size-wise? Because I, I think we all can agree that he balls out. Who are you talking to me? Yeah, what's your thoughts? I'm not on- making this pick. I know. I want your thoughts on Traps' <laughs> pick there. Like, are you okay with that? I, I love him as a football player, and he plays a lot bigger than his size. And, you know, you pick out one play, Ryan, that you keep raving about because he blew up a, a bubble screen and it shows up on Twitter. <laughs> and there's other plays that this guy makes, not just that one play. He's not a one-hit wonder. Uh, but this guy is physical. He has ball skills. I thought, besides Joey Porter, he was the best corner in, in, in the wow. Big Ten this year. Now, size aside, would you still take him in round one? Do you think? Oh yeah, no problem. Okay. No, I have no hesitation with 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 taking this player. Where especially where we're at in the draft right now, very good so, football player. So traps, Nolan Smith still on the board. They they need some help at edge rush. They will get uh, a job back when he's completely healthy. Any concern? Any, any thoughts about taking some position other than than cornerback here? I was really leaning corner. I mean, outside of Marlon Humphrey, I think they've invested in corner, but later in the draft of late and. I think just with Witherspoon's ability to play the football in the air, three interceptions, 14 pass breakups this season, kind of reminds me of Greg Newsom, who went in the first round two years ago to the Browns. That uh, Certainly Illinois had a great season, but kind of a, a lower program in the Big Ten with this standout athlete who plays the run well, uh, can cover man-to-man. I think he kind of just fits the kind of style, that, that ultra-physical man-to-man style that the Ravens like. All right, 24 Chargers. Josh, you are on the clock. They have Darnell Parham, and you decided to take Darnell Washington, his twin brother. Uh, actually, I, I like Washington a lot. I, I think he's he's an interesting player. I don't think he's reached his potential yet as a pass receiver, but um, obviously can can uh, help a, a, in the blocking game. Tell me what you're thinking here. No, that's exactly right. Um, you're upgrading the run def- or the run blocking. You're getting a huge target that's going to be used in the red zone down the field chain moving situations. Um, I think you're just adding more weapons to that offense. We don't know if Keenan Allen is going to return. So if you get another big guy in there, that's going to be able to make some plays underneath, it's going to take some pressure off of Mike Williams. 
I would love to add some speed to this team, but it wasn't the right position to do so. So um, I went with Washington to uh, bulk up the pass game. Yeah, look, and you filled the right tackle need as well. So That's right. That is exactly right, Rick. Thank you. <laughs> Rick, seriously, though, is there any thought of that? If there's not an offensive tackle where you're picking and you know you have a fantastic blocking tight end, is that even in the equation or is that too far? too far a crazy theory no I, I don't know if anyone will look at him because he is talented enough to play tight end although i don't see him as a uh very fleet of foot uh deep down the the the, the stretch the field type tight end i think um long strider yeah I, I think he's like uh as i heard one person describe before he's like thrown into a mattress he's so big and just <laughs> it's pretty easy to hit a mattress with a football uh, so i do give him that i just don't think he is like the twitchy mismatch type tight end except for his size one thing that maybe there are a couple times and i'm just being critical here a little bit is there were some chances where he had uh, that he did drop the ball. Now he made some good catches, but I think he just would like to see him even be more consistent catching the ball. And I just don't think I don't want to call him a, a plotter or a plow horse, uh, but he's not as fleet of foot as some of these other uh, tight ends that you're going to probably be able to land on Friday. But I'll, I'll give him credit. You, you got your right tackle uh, <laughs> there as well. So he fills right. two needs in one one pick. It's a hell of a pick. I, 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 was, hate I to... was just looking for chip help there, so that, that's all it was. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I hesitate to, to bring up comps, but but I'll do it anyway at the risk of a scathing rebuke. Uh, Mercedes Lewis went in the first round, but as Prisco told me, he goes, yeah, but he was a more of a receiving tight end when he came out. He wasn't a blocker, but he became a great blocker. Do you see any Mercedes, Mercedes Lewis? I can in... see because you can't find really blocking tight ends. You can, you, can, you know, like the uh, – Tight end from Notre Dame. Mayer is the uh, kind of the jack of all trades. I don't think yeah. he has a unique trade as a, I don't call him master of none because he's a very good football player. This guy is unique because of his size and his blocking ability, and that is definitely hard to find at that position. But you better be want to run the ball if you're going to draft a guy like this. And they couldn't run the ball over the weekend in that, in, in some part, not large. They part. didn't try sometimes. They should have kept running the ball, but that's another yeah. podcast we can talk about. Now. Yeah, I don't even want to go down that road. I feel terrible. Uh, all right, 25. Rick, you are Jerry Jones. You're taking Drew Sanders out of, ah, Arkansas, yes, out of, finally. <laughs> out of Arkansas, incidentally, home of Jerry Jones, where he played football back in the day. Um, so five-star transfer from Alabama. Played mostly outside of Alabama. Wasn't going to get as much playing time, perhaps. So he moves to Arkansas, moves inside. Is that versatility a good thing, a bad thing? Oh, How it's are phenomenal. You? Imagine what Dan Quinn would do with an athlete like this kid because he can rush the passer, he can play the run, he can drop in coverage. Uh, he's 6'5". I think he's going to be around 240. I think he's just too unique of an athlete. And I put him in there, one, because I think uh, Van Der Esch is probably done. I mean, he's been hurt and banged up a lot. But if you have a guy with this size and the athletic traits and the way he runs and the way Dan Quinn, assuming that he doesn't get a head coaching job, would utilize him on that defensive side of the ball, imagine him and Micah Parsons and all the different pieces that they do. This kid could do a lot of things for for a defense, and he's a very, very good football player. Josh, Rick, do you have any comparisons between Drew Sanders and an Anthony Barr, who I know is in well, Dallas this year? Yeah, no, that came but up you know a little well. bit. Yeah, and we took Anthony, and one of the reasons we took Anthony was because of the versatility, because of the ability to rush the passer. Him, Anthony Barr was very good in coverage for us in his prime before he, you know, he started to wear down with his knee injuries and stuff, but. Uh, the other thing that Anthony Barr did is when you rush these guys and he can rush off the edge, but when you rush them and you can get them mismatched on a running back, these guys with that kind of length, speed and athleticism really create havoc on the quarterback because most running backs at this level can't match up with a big athletic kid like this when they send him on blitzes. Yeah. Are there any concerns with um, a Drew Sanders in terms of asking him to do too much. And I say that. No, uh, no, no. Well, what about Isaiah Simmons? Because Isaiah Simmons was asked to do too much. And he. It, this guy, to me, is a better football player. Isaiah Simmons okay. was a very good athlete. This guy, to me, when you just watch football player to football player, I thought he was a better football player. Okay, great. Um, no. All right. 
No, we got it. I'm making N O, period. Got it. <laughs> 26. The you old know, Cincinnati Bengals wish they could actually pull this trade off right now and have this this dude show up tomorrow. I am taking Anton Harris from the offensive tackle in Oklahoma. They've had some injuries on oh. the offensive line. What are you making those noises for, Rick? I, I, I just I just some of your throat. Going. Yeah, yeah. I had a clear mind. <laughs> okay, I hope you're okay there. Let me know if you want me to hit the the medic alert bracelet. I don't want you to <laughs> have a have a situation on the podcast here. Uh, so, Rick, since you had to clear your throat there, w- would you go to a different direction? Take a different player? Or are you just not a huge Anton Harrison fan as a first round pick? Yeah, I don't know if um, you know with the Bengals. I know they definitely need offensive line help. I just don't know if I would go there with this. I didn't see him as a first round pick. So yeah, I was stretching uh, at this point, and we sort of yeah, talked about how you now, we're, out of now we're starting to get into the reach area here a little bit, and it's like pick your flavor and who's your you know who, who who's your daddy type pick on every. Let team me ask you though, different opinions. If you're sitting here and you've made a million phone calls and you can't trade down and there's no one you love, everyone has a second round grade. What are you doing? Well, you got to pick somebody. So <laughs> yeah, you're not going to sit there and not pick somebody. But this is a scenario when you're in the draft and you know you're picking, let's say, you know, this is probably going to be, we'll see where it all ends up. But when you're picking this low in the first round, you better make sure that you have three or four options at this pick. And, you know, so you're going to go into your group studies. You're going to, we always did it where we had all the scouts, all the coaches in. I picked, I called it clusters. I put four or five guys in a cluster. We'd watch them together. Then we would kind of rank them at this part of the draft. And if we got into this situation and I always put us in a situation where you can't move, this is, I won't say the worst case, but we have to pick someone. There's no other way to go. So who are we going to go? And this is where we'd really hone in on our studies as a group to try to come up what was going to be the best pick for us. So I would have probably thrown him in with a couple other guys mm-hmm. uh, just to make sure that are you, I understand we need an offensive tackle, a right tackle. Now, Lyle Collins, I know he got hurt, but they spent a lot of money on that offensive line last year. Uh, to help get that fixed. And then the left tackle didn't look very good, uh, Jonas Williams, uh, last night either. So I can understand why you would probably take this, but I start to think that we're kind of getting into the reach area. Yeah. Not, not with the, you know, we got a couple reaches coming down the board here pretty quick. That <laughs> <laughs> So, but this is where you want to really hone in and, and make sure, you know, that you're taking the best player on the board that can also potentially fill a need. All right, pick 27, Minnesota Vikings, uh, Chris Trapasso. You're taking one of Rick's favorite players, but uh, tell us why you took him here, and then, Rick, you can tell us if you would be willing to take him this high. Yeah, there was a lot of pressure being the Vikings GM <laughs> on a podcast with a former Vikings GM for a decade. I just said on a podcast I liked him. I really hate this player. I don't think he's going to play worth it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I – I think he is the bendiest outside edge rusher in this class and he can get low and dip around offensive tackles. I think he's got, I don't want to say elite burst, like, you know, Bosa esque burst, but it's pretty good, especially picking him at, at 27 with him available this late, the pass rush counter moves, I think are certainly there. And given Danelle Hunter, um, Zadarius Smith being up there in age a little bit to have, a late first round pick that doesn't have to come in and be that alpha rusher right away and can learn from those veterans. I was really ecstatic that I wasn't going to get bashed by Rick with this selection because it kind of seems to make sense for the long term future for the Vikings. Uh, we'll we'll see, Rick. What, and what do you say? Yeah, just let us know. Apparently, you listen to the podcast. Whether you like us, whether you hate us, just let us know. Just let <laughs> someone know. As Ryan's like uh, go to line here on this. my bit. I do like this kid a lot. I thought he played hard. I went down and watched him. I wanted to see him against Steen, uh, the Alabama left tackle. Uh, where he's not as effective is when they reduce him inside, what you call five technique. Um, but when they put him out in a wide nine or uh, outside the tackle and let him utilize his speed and his athletic skill set, and the kid plays hard. He was fun to watch because his motor is nonstop. So I'm not going to bash this pick because I, I do like this player. You take him in round one if you were sort of at, at the end of round one and you were stuck, or maybe even if you weren't stuck, you'd be okay with that. Yeah, I'd take him over okay. Kobe Turner in a heartbeat. Oh boy, we'll get to, we'll get to that one in a second. <laughs> Put on your seatbelt, craps. <laughs> All, All right. right, 
28, the Denver Broncos. Josh, you're taking Antonio Johnson to safety. I actually like the way he plays. Uh, explain to me why why you're going. Um, I mean, linebackers need two. Explain to me why you're going with safety and, and, and perhaps if you had any other positions that you were contemplating here, including quarterback. Yeah, I mean, there's a few directions we would have liked to have gone. I think just the way that the board fell, you're looking at a player that you can put back there with Justin Simmons and round out that secondary. Um, he's a bigger safety, so you can play him in sub packages. He plays sideline to sideline. Uh, he's not going to get stuck in traffic. You know, he's a good communicator, good leadership, all that kind of stuff. I loved what I saw from him coming into the year. I need to get back on him and see, you know, a little bit more of how he played this year because people have soured on him a little bit. Um, but this is a guy that has great size, good speed. He's going to play sideline to sideline. He's physical. Um, you know, I like what he can bring to the secondary. I, I'm glad that you guys are getting the experience. We'll have to experience weekly with Rick sitting back, giggling, just waiting to say, well, go ahead, Rick. What do you got? No, I'm a good football player. I'm just, let's move on. I'm, 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 just, All right. Oh my God, there's a hundred other guys, but that's fine. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Finally share that you guys can share, you know, misery loves company. This is the, the, the you know, uh, one of uh, my, my former scouts from the Minnesota Vikings or my, my guys have worked with me, listen to this podcast and, they said, God, this is just like sitting in our draft meetings. I can't believe it. <laughs> I know. Tell We should start a support group. We can all get together and, and talk about the way. I'm a self-esteem we- builder. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, then fix, and then fix all these picks later. <laughs> all right, uh, Mr. Spielman, you're on the clock with the Bills at 29. And, and look, you, you're getting on us a little bit about outside-the-box picks. This is an outside-the-box pick. He takes a flowers. He's undersized. Uh, I'll, I'll check quickly, but you don't have a history of taking undersized wide receivers in round one just off the top of my head. Explain to me Zay Flowers and what he does for you in Buffalo. Well, I, you know, um, I just thought, and it was based a lot off of what they, they needed. And, you know, um, the one thing that they're missing in that offense is a slot receiver. And we could, you know, I went back and forth between Zay Flowers and uh, Downs from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I think they both can come in. I, I know they have Hines. Uh, as a returner, I don't know. I can't remember if he was under contract next year or not that they traded for. Uh, but this kid reminded me a, of a poor man's Dotson. We talked about it earlier, Ryan. I don't think he's as good as Dotson uh, when he came out of Penn State last year. But this kid is a very good football player. And for a not very talented football team, and they did not have a very talented quarterback. This kid took advantage of every opportunity that he had, and he, to me, almost carried that offense uh, just by getting the ball in his hands. So I'm not always big on undersized guys, but this guy uh, fit a need I think Buffalo has, and he's a very good football player. Uh, Traps, you are the resident Bills fan, and you actually like Zay Flowers from what I recall. How do you feel about this? I really like it. I, I like him more than Josh Downs. I, I think he's more dynamic. He has better suddenness. I think he can get down the field a little bit better than Josh Downs. I think Downs would be a good player, probably picked on Friday, that will really be that just underneath slot option. I think with Zay Flowers, you have a little bit more vertical uh, ability, and Rick's right, and I think we can all just watch and the Bills can see it, that they really need that really reliable secondary option at receiver after Stephon Diggs. Plus, he likes playing in the snow. That's not going to be an adjustment yeah, for him. There you go. Good call. Yeah. And I think from, I don't know if you told me this record, I heard it from someone else, but he's supposed to be a, a good young man. I, I want to say good kid because I'm old, but he's, I heard he's uh, off the field. He's a great kid, great person. So that's good too. Pick 30. The Chiefs are on the clock. Um, Josh, tell me what you think about this. And this is, uh, this is the, the, the okay, this guy's here pick of all, okay, this guy here is here picks. I'm taking as the Chiefs, Bijan Robinson because. Why not? What, what what do you think about that? Well, I love it if he's going to make it this far. I mean, you talk about putting that kind of a talent in Andy Reid's scheme. I mean, that's almost unfair. Uh, the thing with running back in this particular class, I think everybody would agree he's probably going to go in the top 20 somewhere, even you know with the positional value. It's just kind of difficult to peg which one of these teams is actually going to take a chance on him there. Uh, and if you put him in any mock draft to any fan base across the league, they are going to be incredibly upset with you giving them a running back in the first round. But (laughs) that's the type of talent that he is. I mean, he's the best running back prospect we've seen since Saquon Barkley. So you put that in Kansas City's offense, um, you know, that's going to open up a lot of things. He's a great pass catcher. 
Uh, he's a good run blocker. Uh, you know, he's he's got it all. I mean, I don't I don't have any real weaknesses for him. So it's, it's almost unfair to see him fall to Kansas City. So, Rick, what, what do you think about this? Because a couple of years ago, they took Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He obviously didn't work out in the first round. Uh, they circle back and they're like, all right, Bijan's here. Like, would you be okay with the Chiefs if they could not move out of this pick and Bijan's sitting there? You're like, okay, well, I guess I have to take him. Yeah, the one thing, when you watch Baltimore's draft, when you watch Kansas City's draft, I think um, those guys do a great job just getting value because they're always picking in the lower part of the draft. Right. And to me, I bet you if you look across the league and everybody's bored – this kid's going to be sticking out like a sore thumb because he's that talented of a player. Right. And it's almost too good to pass up uh, when you get – the only running back that I can be in though, we ended up getting Dalvin Cook in the second round. Um, but we went through the same scenario when Adrian Peterson was sitting there. and We had uh, Chester Taylor who just came off a 1,000-yard season. He was just too good of a player to pass up, and you can't pass up guys that have this much talent. And you can hear about Adrian Peterson and Rick's picks from a previous episode. So uh, you can find that on the old YouTubes or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Tri- this Let is me pick 30. Up for this one because. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You want to stretch out, Rick, because this is going to be uh this could be a, a, a thing here. So uh, Traps, you have the final pick in the first round. Pick number 31, the Eagles. You're taking Kobe Turner, the defensive interior defensive lineman out of Wake Forest. Uh, explain yourself and, and please, for the love of God, do it with a ton of confidence. Because, yes. Well, Storm, I mean, I deserve this. I deserve this because Josh took a beating earlier. I kind of was able to to sneak through without any. We, we, was it at midnight? You just had to throw a name in there, and that's the name that we had. Like, oh, God, that's Here. the last guy I watched. Uh, we'll just throw his I, name in there. I think. No, that's not what happened. Actually, um, I, I think I think uh, every year in the draft we see later, like Rick was saying earlier, picks 26, 27, 28 into that range toward the end of the first round. There are some reaches, there are some some surprising names, Peyton Turner. Uh, you know, last year I, I think this could be that type of pick because the Eagles and Dominican Sue, Linval Joseph, Fletcher Cox, they're pretty old up front on the interior. Colby Turner is not the athlete of Milton Williams caliber who they picked uh, a couple years ago out of Louisiana tech. But I think he's that type six, three, two ninety, uh, pretty advanced pass rusher, maybe not high upside, but I think Howie Roseman usually leans either offensive line or defensive line in the first round. And they don't need him to be a, a great player immediately with Javon Hargrave <laughs> there. But I think over the long term, this is a, a kind of a Howie Roseman pick, given how old they are at, at that other defensive tackle spot. Okay, I will put a hundred dollars on that. That Howie, this is not a Howie Roseman pick. And if why is that? Because I don't think I, I think he's undersized. I think he plays hard. I think he's a little bit stiffer as an athlete, as we used to yes. say in some of the draft meetings. You can throw him a can of oil and make him the Tin Man. Uh, you know, on the next podcast or, you know, put a couple <laughs> bolts in his neck and he'd make a million dollars playing Frankenstein out there. So those are just some of the things that actually came out of draft meetings. So uh, let me ask you this, Rick. So you're sitting there 31 and again, we're assuming you can't, you can't do anything. They took Paris Johnson with the 10th pick. What, what are you thinking about here in terms of like, give me a name of someone that you, you might have on your list of breaking case of emergency. I've got a list of about 250 names that I had highlighted ahead of him. So, <laughs> what positions? For it was like to me. It was like, okay, my homework assignment. I just need to get a name in real quick. We're running out of time on the clock. No, nope. I, I I do commend the courage to come up and take someone like that. Um, and maybe you're going to be right. We're all going to be wrong. So uh, very admirable to stick to your guns on a guy that's probably going to get picked on Saturday. Um, but uh, if you have him going in the first round and, and I will talk to Howie directly on this one, just to tell you that. No, <laughs> first okay. So you got a, you got a name for us? Like who, who would you think about here? Oh my God. Uh, Let's go with uh, go with defensive lineman. Like, who would you like? You wouldn't take. You don't like Ika this high, right? You said he's too. And he's a nose tackle. Yeah, those are those are two down guys. I don't take two down guys um, in the uh, in the first round. All right, uh, because I don't think they have pass rush. Um, But boy, just 
You know who I like better, and and I still think it's too high to take him, but just looking at some of the names I had here that I've done, I, I would take Brian Young from Alabama over oh, him. Oh, that's your, uh, your rat that's hole my, guy, is that what you call that's it? That's my rat hole player because I he's think a good player. he's undervalued as, a, as an inside nickel pass rusher, and he's a very good football player that a lot of people don't really know about yet. I would probably look at Carter from Army, who I think has a lot oh. of upside and a tremendous athlete coming out there's there's going to be a, a, a ton of guys um that, that that are going to come out but you know like why wouldn't you take a uh a, a carter a swing at a carter they could always use another pass rusher because i don't know if uh which mccall is out of contract or not who they uh traded for from the bears quinn yeah quinn. Quinn. yeah but uh that guy is just too athletic and and too much size and athleticism and, and such a high ceiling uh, to not even take a swing at a guy like that before you go with a 5'9", 260-pound uh, nose tackle to play against Ryan. Did you even play college football, Ryan? <laughs> yeah. we, played, we played at the Thanksgiving uh, pickup bowl. So, yeah. he made me, now, I would have taken him the first round if you were in that Thanksgiving pickup bowl. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, yeah, congratulations to Josh and Traps. You survived the uh, first annual uh, mock draft Rick Spillman beatdown. I'm glad to know, Rick, that your, your former employees – are reaching out to you to let you know that you are as uh, as soft as ever in terms of uh... <laughs> self-esteem builder. That's what my job was. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I look and also I, just quickly, I talked to Prisco last week or something. And he said, I can't wait to get on the podcast. See y'all both you guys. So that's something to look forward to uh, in the oh new my year. God, is he a bad evaluator? <laughs> just sitting with him for 17 weeks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's uh, mock draft version 1.0 in the books. Uh, again, you can leave us a, a comment on on Spotify or, or not on Spotify, excuse me, on, on iTunes if you want to, uh, suggestions, if you want suggestions for Rick Picks, if you want uh, to leave a, a mailback question for, for draft-related stuff, we'll get to that. So that's a wrap on Episode 7. Subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star review, and uh, if you enjoyed it, as you know, Rick, tell a friend. If you hated it, tell an enemy, just tell somebody. All right, we'll be back next week. Thank you, guys. Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.